Welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Tywana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory sciences by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership coach at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, Maxwell Disc Certified Consultant, Send Out Cards Referral Partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting Radio Station. Before we, before we bring on my special guest, I want to share a few announcements. There are still a few days left, actually one day left, to apply for the Leadership Tidbits book collaboration. We are looking for diverse leaders from all industries able to provide nuggets of wisdom in the realm of leadership, personal growth, and communication. That deadline is tomorrow. We already have some amazing trailblazers who have signed on, and we are just looking for a few more. For more information about the project, please email Leadership Tidbits Book, all one word, at TrendyElitLLC.com. Also, thank you to my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio and TV Network, LLP. Today's special guest, Dr. Sharon H. Porter. Dr. Sharon H. Porter resides in Washington, D.C. area. She is the president of FHP Enterprise, the umbrella entity for the perfect time FHP LLC coaching, consulting, and book publishing firm, the Grind Entrepreneur Network, and Write the Book Now. She is the host of the I Am Dr. Sharon Show and host and creator of five podcasts. Dr. Sharon is the executive director of the Next in Line to Lead Aspiring Principal Leadership Academy. Dr. Sharon is the author of The Power of Networking, How to Achieve Success with Business Networking, Next in Line to Lead, The Voice of the Assistant Principal, Class of 2017, What's Next? Women Who Lead, Extraordinary Women with Extraordinary Results and North Carolina Girls Living in a Maryland World. She is a contributing author for the MLM book, The Business of 21st Century, Women on a Mission, Sisterhood of Stories, Three Ps of Success, Purpose, Passion, and Profit, Renegotiating Greatness, 21 Lessons from Bold Entrepreneurs Who Have Built Successful Brands, Behind the Scenes of, of a Phenomenal Woman, and Black Woman by Birth, Champion by Choice. Dr. Sharon has served as an educator for over 25 years. She currently serves as an elementary and school principal in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. She is a graduate of Winston-Salem State University, National Lewis University, the Johns Hopkins University, Walden University, and Howard University. Dr. Sharon holds the National Association of Elementary School Principal Mentor Certification and is a certified Gallup Strengths Coach. 
She is a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, International Association of Women, Professional Women of Winston-Salem, Sisters for Sister Network Incorporated, and is an official member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Good evening, good evening, Dr. Sharon Porter. How are you doing? Good evening, Coach T. I am doing awesome and amazing. Awesome, awesome. I'm so excited to have you on the show tonight. I know that you are going to give the listeners a lot of great tidbits of information, so let's just jump right into it. Thank you. Dr. Sharon, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your leadership journey and how did you get to where you are today? Well, Coach T, I started my educational career as a classroom teacher, actually, um, but I held a variety of positions in K-12 education intentionally. And so it was really my fourth grade teacher that really motivated me and inspired me to become an educator. And so I, I just loved the level of care that she demonstrated, and I just took that with me and became an educator um, after graduating from Winston-Salem State University. Um, after relocating uh, from North Carolina, I taught in Charlotte for a few years and just was ready for a change. So I relocated to the Washington, D.C. area, and my eyes were open. You're talking about progressive African Americans in this area. It was so motivating. I had to do more, and I wanted to be more. And so I just continued my educational career, became an entrepreneur, and just everything started blossoming once I moved to this area almost 30 years ago. Wow. So you took a chance, you decided to move, and from there on been able to, to blossom in not only education, but also in the entrepreneurial space. Absolutely. It, you know, it's the environment. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like you're in a think tank environment where you're just <laughs> able to, to grow and excel. So that's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Our leaders, they come from all walks of life with vastly different backgrounds and strengths, qualities, and experience. What strengths and, ex and qualities do you feel are important to thrive as a leader in the world of education, especially when you're working with your colleagues who may be new teachers, new in education, as well as with our young people, with the students? Absolutely. You know, I would have to start out with effective communication. And we hear that quite often, but truly effective communication, you know, that includes listening. That also includes motivating, inspiring, and being a transformative leader. We have to be able to change lives, impact, and influence. And I think that is crucial um, into being an effective leader. In addition to that, I think a leader needs to be competent, knowledgeable, and resourceful. And I actually use all three of those together because one of the things that people think is you have to know it all. And as a leader, you do not. <laughs> you have to be competent and knowledgeable about some things, but the major thing is being resourceful, knowing where to go to get the information if you don't really have that information um, there for you. So I would definitely say effective communication, competent, knowledgeable, and resourceful are all important criteria for effective leaders. 
That's good information. That that is absolutely correct. Sometimes as leaders, we feel like we have to know it all, but you're right. That's the whole purpose of being on a team. Right. We don't have to know it all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So do you feel like you have to have anything different when you work with your students? You know, especially in today's, uh, I know education is quite different from when I was in uh, grade school, but do you feel like there's other strengths or qualities that's been beneficial, especially as you work with, you have our young people uh, at the elementary school level? Absolutely. But, you know, as a school administrator, and that's where um, a lot of people, you know, they get a little in the gray area there. For a school administrator, our learner is actually the teacher. And so we work with the teachers so that they can be more effective in working with the students. Our teachers are the first line of that uh, educational uh, where they have to really provide the information to our students. And so in order to do that, I, again, I have to be able to use those best practices. I use my research skills. I'm a learner. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I am uh, in the top five for Gallup Clifton Strength Finders. Learn is one of my top five strengths. And in that learner piece is the whole research. I am determined to find innovative ways to get our babies, our scholars to learn. Everyone in education, the bottom line is student achievement. We want our students to achieve to become productive citizens. And in order to do that, we have to meet them where they are, number one, and also meet them the whole child, not just academics. We have to hit that physical needs. We have to hit that emotional as well as the academic and social beings of those children. So, yes, so the leader of that building, you have to do all of that because you have to motivate those teachers in order to do that. It's a real ministry um, in education. And if your passion is not there, if you don't like kids, we were, I was actually talking about that today, there was a teacher in a building, and the administrator had to ask, do you even like kids because of the way that you're speaking to them? And so it has to be a ministry within. So I definitely would say it takes a different type of leader when you're working with schools and teachers and uh, our little babies and our scholars. Absolutely. That's good. That's good. You're right. It, it takes a, a different kind of leader uh, in education. And in some of these, a lot of these fields, you really have to want to do it. And you really yeah. have to go over and beyond because you all are so impactful uh, on the, the next generation. It's because of the work that you all do uh, when they get into uh, business and into the field where I'm looking to hire them. I'm right. really counting on you all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, You're right. <laughs> that you have set a strong foundation. So I definitely appreciate what our educators uh, do. Dr. Porter, can you share some of the biggest challenges that our administrators and our teachers are facing today when working with some of our students? And that just times are different. Sometimes resources are not as plentiful. Uh, can, you, can you share with us? Because those of us that are not in education and on the ground, uh, we may not be as aware as we could be or should be. 
Well, I would say the first thing is really getting highly qualified and highly effective teachers in every classroom. I, I have to start there. Um, there is a teacher shortage. Um, there has been, and it continues to be. And it's just deepening. The shortage is deepening. It's really almost scary, Coach T, um, because, like I said, the teachers are the front line, right, for mm -hmm. our uh, children. And you have to find teachers that truly care about the students, that's going to address all of those needs, but also there has to be diversity in the classroom. And, and so we talk about a teacher shortage, but then when you look into it, into diversity, it's an even greater need. So all of our bilingual teachers, our male, black male teachers, like that's where we're really falling short. And it's imperative that our students see more than one ethnicity or more than one race in the classroom. So I would have to start there with the teacher shortage. But then this is directly aligned to our K-12 students graduated from high school. Why is there a teacher shortage? Because we don't have students going into college majoring in education. And so I just feel like the perception of education is a major, major problem. There is still a negative perception as to what educators do and the value of education. And so you take it career day. I'm sure you remember career days in your schools, right? You can find every, every career that's being represented except for education. And I just think that that is a pitfall. We have to show our students that education is a viable career because it is the start of every other career that's out there. And so we have to start early on. There is a Future Business Leaders of America club probably in every high school, FBLA. I was even a part of it. But where are the Future Teachers of America clubs? They're mm -hmm. non-existent. So we have to really tap into our resources. That's our high school students that are graduating, going into college. Yes, there are other amazing careers that they can do and, and go and be. We want to encourage that as well. But we also have to uplift our own career, education, our own industry. So I would just think that is a major, major issue that we're facing today is finding quality teachers in our classroom. We need that. We need that for our future. Um, so it's just imperative. It really is. That that makes sense because I can remember all of those uh, career days, but I don't necessarily remember there being any <laughs> educators on the panel. I remember exactly. being in the fifth grade and I had a banker. So I was like, oh, okay, this is neat. Right. Uh, but I, I don't. So that is a great point. Uh, yeah. and, and and great thing. I'm I'm not even sure, you know, how widespread the career days are still actually happening. Uh, in the they're school. happening. Yeah, they are definitely happening. Um, you know, the big thing now is, of course, college and careers. And so most people have now in school districts a whole department that dedicate themselves to that. Um, and so it's very prevalent in schools. It still exists. Uh, but again, 
our own profession is not represented in those career days. And I just think mm-hmm. that is, you know, it really, it really says something about why we don't have quality teachers today um, to put in front of our teachers. And so it's really interesting. I'm returning back to the schoolhouse as principal after five years of working in central office. And so, you know, supporting the work, I, I supported new leaders, I supported new assistant principals and new principals. That work is vastly different from doing the work. And I've always acknowledged that. Now that I'm back on the ground, um, really, you know, touching our babies and making sure that our teachers are doing what it takes, it's a whole, it's a whole different ballgame. And so we have to make sure that we're putting our best in front of our scholars because, again, our future depends on that. Absolutely, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. So what are, so what are do you think are some strategies uh, that we can employ or, or, you know, people in different industries can help as, as we are out uh, talking with our young people. I know I work with a lot of young people in different programs to, you know, help them think about that as a career again. Right now, everybody's pushing STEM or STEAM. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, what are some of those things that we can do as, as community advocates uh, to help at least, introduce, you know, reintroduce uh, that as a, a viable, successful career? Yeah, it's really it's really based on two things. Um, again, the perception of the educators, but that perception, that negative perception, perception is really because of the salaries that the school districts and states are offering your beginning teachers. You you know, in some school districts, I'm in the Washington D.C. area, which you have a very decent. Um, amount starting out as a first-year teacher, but that's not everywhere. That's not the norm across the country. You are now getting out of school with mounds of student loans, right? <laughs> that's the thing. You're mounds of student loans. You have to pay six months after you graduate. Salome is calling, right? Or Navion, whatever. They're calling, but. If you're making thirty or forty thousand dollars as a first year teacher and you have to live somewhere on your own, that is just not it's not gonna work. Your average college graduate is gonna look at that and say, No, thank you. I can't afford to be a teacher. Because I can't pay my bills. I can't live on my own. I'm not able to repay my student loans. So that's the first thing. It's really policy changes. We have to value education more than we do in the United States. It's just the way it is. And so uh, your new teachers, they either have to have three and four people, roommates together, working part-time jobs. Like, if you don't have to do that, then they don't want to do that, right? I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to do that. Right. So that, that's really where it has to start. You have to value education. And you put that value by the amount of money that you pay your teachers. So it's attached to the value. And, you know, you shouldn't have to move out of the classroom to become an administrator to then see your six-figure salary. It should happen 
sooner rather than later. That's why we either get them, we recruit them, but then we don't retain them. <laughs> We're right. hiring twelve to fifteen hundred teachers every year. So recruitment and retention, it goes together. It does you no good to recruit if you can't retain. Mm-hmm. So um, it really means attaching that value, paying teachers what they truly deserve so that they can do what they need to do, and then we can re- attract those individuals with the knowledge to be able to impart in our students. It's all about the value and the attachment of the salary. I just believe that. That absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, being able to recruit and retain, you're right, because I have a lot of friends that are educators that, you know, they got into it and, you know, within five years they were out of it it. for some of those (laughs) various reasons that you mentioned above. Absolutely. With success comes learning lessons. It's important for our next generation of leaders to not only hear about our success, but also hear about our failures. Can you share with the listeners some of your failures and the learning lessons that you gained from it? You know, I often share this story because it was absolutely pivotal in molding me into the person that I am today. Um, It was when I started my doctoral journey in 2006. It takes about three years generally to finish your doctoral degree. And so your coursework is about two years. And so I finished that 2008. I had finished my coursework, and it was time to really focus on the dissertation. And my father passed October 2nd, 2008. And that totally stopped me in my tracks. I was left feeling hopeless. I was left feeling empty and confused, actually. I I didn't quite know what to make out of all of this. And so I really just stopped. My motivation stopped. Everything stopped. And I went on um, for several years. Now, mind you, I started in 2006. 2011, I ended up relocating back to North Carolina um, for two and a half years. And so this is all while I am continuing to pay student loans, but doing nothing as far as this program goes. And so 2012 comes. So this is six years, Coach T, that I'm paying mm-hmm. on student loans and three years that I'm doing nothing. My advisor contacted me and basically said, you have to make a decision because you're now at the cutoff. You spent six years in this program. You either have to finish, get your uh, doctorate, get finish your dissertation, or you can use the credits that you've earned and graduate with a specialist degree in EDS. And so at that point, I made the decision to just use the credits that I had earned, graduate with an EDS. But when I tell you I failed like a complete failure, that was the first time in my life that I really felt like I had not attained a goal that I had set for myself, right? And yes. I, was, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was all of these things because I had spent all of this time, all of this money, and did not get what I thought out to get. That was the UDD, the doctoral degree. Right. And so 
Uh, two years passed by. I came back to the Maryland area. I had an opportunity to start another doctoral program at Howard University, um, and I contemplated um, because I'm like, wow, I have to start all over because I've used these credits, you know, to get a degree, so I can't double dip. You can't use mm-hmm. it to get another degree. And that's exactly what I did. I started over. And within three years, which is why my book class of 2017 came out, I wrote, because I graduated in three years. I took the, the failure, and I put that in air quotes, because it really wasn't a failure, but I had to look at it as an opportunity for me to take what I've learned to apply it through this second go-round so that mm-hmm. I can finish my degree. And so what I learned from that is number one, there is growth in areas of opportunity. So I don't like to necessarily call them failures, but I didn't look at it as I earned another degree, right? That was like my fourth degree, but I'm still embarrassed because it wasn't a doctoral degree. I had Mm -hmm. to snap myself out of that. I had to snap myself out of that. Wake up, girl, you just got a fourth degree. So what? It wasn't a doctoral degree, and you have another opportunity to start another program. And mind you, it was a 50% scholarship that my school district was offering. I did this in three years and ended up, when I graduated, with no loan, nothing. I owed nothing to Howard University. Wow. So there is, yes. So some of the things that you consider failures, you have to just look at them a different way. My Mm -hmm. motto has always been keep grinding. You always have to go after for what it is that you want to do. It may not come when you want it, right? Right. It will come if you don't stop, if you don't quit. So you have to set your goals, make your plan, and keep going towards that goal. And that's what I really learned after that. It was hard. It was difficult. The, the, my show name, the I Am Dr. Sharon Show, actually came from my process at Howard University. There were times when I was up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, and I wanted to quit. And I kept saying to myself, I am Dr. Sharon. I am Dr. Sharon. That's how the name of my show came about because it was that affirmation that I had to continue saying to myself to get through this. And so we have to find those things. What's going to make you continue? Hold on to that and keep grinding. And so that's really the lesson that I learned from that. Set your goal and don't stop until you reach it. And, and that's really the biggest lesson I got out of that. Wow. That, that was good. That was good. And that's powerful and very important for our young people, uh, really for just others to hear our story because there's so many times that life happens, we give up, we don't go yeah. back, we feel like, you know, maybe we took a shortcut or whatever the case may be. We're so hard on ourselves. Uh, so much harder on ourselves and critical of ourselves. And I see it with our young people all the time, so much so that they choose routes that, you know, are not always uh, the best. You know, they may hurt themselves because they gave up. 
uh, or, you know, it didn't work out. So that's why I like to ask all of my leaders, because we've all had some kind of some kind of failure or learning yeah. or some kind of pivot that we've had to do. And it's important for our, for our young people to be able to see that because they see I am Dr. Sharon, but they don't know what <laughs> I am Dr. Sharon really means. That's exactly <laughs> correct. Absolutely. So that was that was awesome. I'm happy that you shared that uh, with us because that it happens more often than not when we have to, you know, a dream deferred, as they say. Yes, so absolutely. That is that is awesome. Many people struggle with thinking outside the box and just find a way to reinvent themselves out of their chosen profession. You've done a great job with this with your career, your businesses, books speaking engagements, podcasts. I mean, you just have really uh, blossomed and done, done a lot outside of your, you know, chosen per- career path. So what advice would you give to our listening audiences on strategies for thinking outside the box and, you know, maybe finding some of those opportunities or, or reinventing themselves? Sometimes we get into, you know, our career and then we feel like we're stuck. And it's like, okay, well, what else can I do or can I do anything else? Yes. You know, first of all, I would have to say do not allow others' actions, others' words, their thoughts, or inactions to dictate what you do or what you don't do. Um, People rely a lot of times on validation of others. I was stuck in that a few years ago. And I say validation is neither needed nor required. And so I I feel like once you become free of that, you're open to do so many other things. You're open to to release that, um, you know, that uncomfort. So, you know, get out of your comfort zone. Um, Just five or six years ago, you would not have caught me speaking about anything in front of anybody. <laughs> you and you know, let alone hosting a weekly show and, and speaking and all of these things. That was not me just just five or six years ago. I am so full of ideas. Um and what I've learned is I don't let what I call the negative Nancy's, I don't let them steal my joy or kill my creativity. So mm-hmm. the first thing I would say is make sure that you are sure about the people who are around you. I often say that everybody that's in your circle is not in your corner, and you have to know the difference. And so once you realize that, you know who your support people are. You know who you can go to when you have to uh, talk over a few things, right, when things really are hard or when you need that listening ear. So be free to do the things that come to your mind. That's one thing. We get a lot of ideas, but we're so fearful to step out and do them because of what other people might think or say about it. Get over that. That's my Mm -hmm. first piece of advice. Don't get caught up in waiting for validation from other people. That's the first thing. The next thing I would say is try to align the things that you do. 
I, that's one thing. I do a lot of different things, but there is a common thread that goes through everything, and it truly is leadership. It truly is leadership. I, what I call my three-point thrust, and, and, and my Torah, the Delta Sigma Theta, know that that's familiar. <laughs> I call it my, my three-point thrust. I focus on educators, authors, and entrepreneurs. No matter what I do, those are the three populations that I focus on. Whether it's my coaching and consulting, that's what I'm focused on. Whether it's my media, that's what I'm focusing on. Whether it's my publishing and my authors, that's what I'm focused on. So it may seem like a lot of different things, but everything will fall under one of those three. And so if you have that common thread that's going through all the things that you want to do, it would make it a little easier because then it becomes easier to reinvent yourself. Um, so I would just say, you know, narrow that thing down. Do, a, do as much as you want to. But what is the common thread through there? Um, I, that, I would have to say, is what has helped me so far do everything. My podcast, I have three different types of podcasts, educators, authors, entrepreneurs. My book publishing is the same way. And so, you know, I just just follow that so that I'm not stretched in. Because like you said, I do have a career. I, I have a nine to five that I have to work on. And so I have to make sure that there is some form of integration uh, with all of that. Absolutely, absolutely. I absolutely agree uh, with that. And, and don't be afraid to think outside the box. Don't be afraid to do different things. Uh, but you're right. You, you need to be able to tie it all together, uh, yes. you know, in the different things that you are doing. Uh, and that just speaks to your brand, your personal brand, and those things that, you know, are or you are passionate about. Yes. So just a few years ago, you weren't talking in front of people. You weren't no, going out there. at all. What? <laughs> not at what? all. But you, know, but, you know, Coach T, it is so funny because that goes back to the validation. It goes back mm-hmm. to the I was actually... I was ashamed of my southern accent. I'm from North Carolina, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I came to this Washington D.C. metropolitan area. I was terrified of what people were going to say when I heard this southern twang. <laughs> you know, I'm telling, and that it crippled me for years. I would not speak because of my southern accent. And now I start my conversation out with it. I sound like I'm from North Carolina because I am from North Carolina. That's how I start out all of my talk. I just get it out of the way Uh, because now I I own it. I embrace every part of me, and I don't Mm -hmm. let that be a hindrance for me. That crippled me for years, for years. Mm -hmm. So I just own it now. That makes total sense. You are right. Don't wait for you are right. Don't wait for validation. And you need to uh, stay in your own lane and keep moving forward. Because if you busy looking at all the other lanes, you go hurt that's yourself it. and somebody. So exactly. So that's what I say: changing lanes and moving forward, and and people will love you just the way you are. Either they exactly. will love you or they won't. That's <laughs> it. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Sharon, in addition to having an amazing 25-year educational career, 
You are a successful entrepreneur, as you said, with your perfect time, FHP, LLC coaching, consulting, and book publishing firm, the Grind Entrepreneur Network, and Write the Book Now, just to name a few. But can you share with the, li- the listeners a little bit more about your entrepreneurial endeavors and how you made that leap? Because in today's society, it's, it's almost like, wow, you're an entrepreneur, like that's brave, but you know, a few generations uh, before us, everybody was an entrepreneur, had a family yeah. business. Yeah. So That's how did right. you make that? <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's so you know, <laughs> it is so you're right. You're absolutely correct. Um, so the first thing was the Grind Entrepreneur Network. That was actually the first thing that I stepped out on. And it really, I I came from the world of network marketing. That's the first thing. And I always make sure that I attribute that, my my thirst for more from network marketing. Um, those, uh, Those listeners who are familiar with network marketing know that it is some solid personal development that comes out of network marketing. And so it was really that that inspired me to, uh, found the Grind Entrepreneur Network. I wanted it to be a network where entrepreneurs that included network marketers because at the time I always saw where entrepreneur uh, different groups would shun network marketers. They wouldn't include them in that. Like, no, you know, we're, we're not talking about network marketers. So I wanted something that was all-inclusive that we could be used as a network. And that actually now has evolved into my entrepreneur space, where now I assist educators who want to take the leap as entrepreneurs. Um, so I help and coach and consult them into doing that. Some of them are educational uh, businesses and some of them not. Um, I have had stand-up comedians come through there. I've had bakers come through there, jewelry makers. So different types. I, I find what their passion is, what they're talented, what their skills are, and then we start uh, cultivating that into a business. So that's what the Grind Entrepreneur Network is currently. Perfect time is the coaching um, for the books, um, for the book writing and for the publishing. Um, very simple. That has evolved over the years. Um, it is now probably what I'm doing most often than anything now is through Perfect Time with the publishing. And my uh, specialty is the book anthology. And so that's what I've been working on now for the last three years. So I'm very excited about um, the evolution of Perfect Time. Write the Book Now is where I feature my authors through the podcast. Um, Write the Book Now is the podcast um, for my authors and features that. And so I really took the leap because I knew that there was something more I wanted to do. And I tell my educators that we are so talented, so multi-skilled, that we have to set ourselves up for success. We can't give it all to a school or to a school district. What would you have left for yourself? And so that's what I teach my entrepreneurs. And that's really what it's all about. That's why I took the leap. I am just five, six years away from actually retiring from my school district. And I pray that in that five, six years, I'm still going to be ready and, and ready to move forward with my whole entrepreneur journey totally full time at that time. 
So you really can set yourself up for success when you make that leap um, into entrepreneurship. And, and I like to say the doorpreneur. You don't have to quit your nine-to-five to jump into the entrepreneur space. You can certainly do it while you're doing it. It's a silent investor, and I tell people that. And so I teach them how to make that happen, um, to set yourself up for success. Yeah, I think that's very important that you say that, that it, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. If you want it to be all or nothing, you're 100% entrepreneur, yep. that's fine. Uh, if you want to be a career professional by day and entrepreneur by night, that's fine too. But I think it's very important for people to know that at least in today's uh, space, you know, you have to have ways to create these additional streams of revenue. Uh, yes. and be able to create that you know, quickly. I mean, a yes. lot of us are, are so much more talented than we give ourselves credit for, and we just give our expertise away for free. And so I'm sure. <laughs> and so it's exciting to hear that you are working with our educators and working with our authors and entrepreneurs to be able to help them create that, that additional stream. I'm excited, very excited, to be working <laughs> with you on one of your uh, endeavors, the HBCU Experience Anthology <laughs> Project. <laughs> yes. Very excited about that and, and all that it uh, stands for. So can you share with the listeners a little bit more information about the project, kind of your vision or how you came yes. uh, up with the ideal and why these kind of projects are needed and necessary to ensure the continued success of our historically black colleges and universities? Absolutely. This project is really near and dear to my heart, and I am just so overjoyed um, about what's about to happen. <laughs> so it really started from um, Bennett College um, when their doors was about to close um, the end of last year, and they were really, you know, pleading for donations. Um, to keep the doors open, and it just broke my heart. I, I did not go to Bennett, um, but as um, most people know, I am a HBCU advocate, and so I had a few of the local alumnus on the show, and, you know, we, we were able to raise a few funds and raise, raise awareness, most importantly, about that. And so after they were able to raise, you know, more than enough money, um, I just thought about what can I do? How can I use my platform on a larger scale to help all HBCUs? And so this is really how the HBCU Experience Anthology was born in my head. Um, I reached out and began to look for graduates of different HBCUs um, to lead the effort in recruiting other alumni from their schools to share their positive experience of that university. And then what the, the cherry on top is, every Amazon sale will go directly back to that university. And what really brings me chills is to think about the impact we will have years to come. 
I am just overjoyed knowing that years after I am gone, that this legacy will be left for someone to carry on so that Perfect Time SHP, along with every lead author and contributing author, can say that they are continuously giving back to their university. I know that I could not do it out of my pocket like I wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. I give to my university as an alumni, um, as a dues-paying member, uh, but I felt like I wanted to do more. And mm -hmm. so in this way, we all can share that and be a part of that legacy that will forever donate to our university. And so I'm just excited about it. Um, we have about 15 HBCUs represented now, about Four will be published before the end of this year, um, and there will be a donation given even before any books are sold. Um, and then as uh, Amazon provides those royalties each month, they will roll directly over to those specific universities. So it is a heartfelt project that I am just overjoyed to be able to spearhead, and I just look forward to um, the publication of those books. And, and I want to say thank you for representing <laughs> Kentucky State University and making people aware of the Kentucky State existence. I appreciate you and, and all of your contributing authors who have come on board to be a part of this project. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime that uh, I can help bring exposure to my beloved Kentucky State University uh, is a, a blessing just because so many people don't even know that it's an HBCU. Yes. And so it, it's important to get that word out. It's important to be able to work with other alums, to be able to raise money for the for the school. You know, it's not enough to wear your T-shirt and That's be here right. uh, in other organizations in mm -hmm. which we pay dues and stuff. It's, yep. it's just not enough to, to wear your yes. shirt and you can talk about, you know, the school all you want. But at the end of the day, if the mm -hmm. schools don't have the money to keep the doors mm -hmm. open, all that talk is for nothing. So wow. I appreciate everything that, that you are, are doing and, and your vision and being a champion for this because it did. It made me go back and look. I'm like, okay, I am a dues praying member. You know, mm -hmm. I am, you know, what can I do? Can I do more? And I'm all about right. uh, being able to help give scholarships or whatever I can do. But I'm definitely uh, putting my, my, my money and my time uh, where my, uh, as I talk. So in anything awesome. I do, <laughs> whether it's the, awesome. the HBCU, Kentucky State University, and mm -hmm. paying my dues, uh, or the sorority and paying yeah. my dues, uh, I, you know, got into them knowing that I was going to be uh, physically and financially and uh, financially. supportive. Yes. So I thank you for allowing us to have a, a larger platform to be able to, to bring awareness and raise uh, money for, for the university. Because together, thank you. we are better. We are better. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> So in a time where we're asked to, to be our best, be great role models, great parents, and just be it all, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. easy to get stretched too thin. 
what advice would you give to our listeners who are struggling to maintain that balance as they are, are working and family and uh, the side hustle or entrepreneurship and just trying to do everything? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and with that, I believe that managing our time effectively is key. I just think it's the utmost importance, and time is the most coveted, most non-renewable resource that we have. And so we have to protect our time. I, I use Covey's Time Management Matrix for everything that I do. I used to have to write it down, but now I, I can do it mentally. Um, compartmentalize all of the tasks that I do. With this matrix, he uses the urgent and important, urgent and not important, not urgent, not important, and not urgent and not important. And so I, it is, it is amazing if you really look at all of the tasks that you do. Mm-hmm. The things that are urgent and important are the things that we have to handle right away. Those are like the emergencies, the crises. So those things don't happen often. Those are things that come up and we have to handle them right away. And so we do that. But here's where we get sucked into our time. The things that are not urgent but important, urgent but not important, and not urgent and not important. So the quadrant four, not urgent, not important, those are your time wasters. Those are things that you need to completely eliminate from your to-do list. You should not be doing those things. So if you look at all the things that you're doing and you have a bunch of things that are not important and not urgent, those, those are the things that's wasting your time. And then you have your things that you can schedule for the future. Those are the things that are not urgent, but they are important. But then you also have the things that perhaps you can delegate. If you're a business owner, maybe you can get your assistant to do those things or hire a virtual assistant to do those things that are urgent but not as important. So I just think that we have to departmentalize the things that we're doing, our tasks, and make sure that what we're doing is alignment with what we need to be doing. And if we do that, we can handle everything we need in life. There wouldn't have to be an issue of uh, running out of time or doing things that, you know, in a hurry that we, we, we need more time to do. Um, I've learned, I've mastered this time management matrix. Um, people ask me, how do you do so many things? <laughs> this is how. I know in my mind what I need to be doing and what I refuse to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't have those things pulling at me and, and, and sucking the time out of my day. And I just think people need to be more aware of the things that, that do that for them. And, and, and it will make it a much more productive day for them. That's good. That's good. Because a lot of times that's the one thing people say, I don't have time. I don't have time. <laughs> yes. But the things you spend in your minutes on, it look, you could probably have plenty of time if you let go. Exactly. Of if you let go. Urgent. Not that's it. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> at the end of the day, we all make time <laughs> for what we want to make what? time Ooh, for. <laughs> that's the truth right there. That's a word. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Sherr, our time is coming to a close. I'm sure we oh can go goodness. on and on. I know, right? <laughs> so, 
So you have shared a lot of awesome information with us, and I want our listening audience to be able to stay connected with you and continue to follow you on your leadership journey. So how can our listeners stay connected with you and support you in your endeavors? Um, Absolutely. I can be found across all social media platforms at I am Dr. Sharon, and that's I am Dr. Sharon. Um, And also uh, I can, all of my websites can be found from shpenterprise.com. Awesome. Quick and easy. Listen, consistency, that is running that that (laughs) brand across all the networks. I love it. So if you want to stay connected with Dr. Sharon, make sure you look her up. Uh, She is doing a lot of amazing things. So thank you so much, Dr. Sharon Porter, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give me the opportunity to interview you tonight. I thank you. Yeah, it was definitely an honor and a pleasure to to speak with you and learn more about what you were doing and and all the good things that are to come. So many blessings and continued success to you and your journey. I want to thank the listening audience for tuning in. Where tonight's show we had my special guest, Dr. Sharon Porter, where she shared with us. Don't let anyone validate you. Everyone in your circle is not in your corner. Uh, Say those positive affirmations, I am, I will, I can. Make sure you keep grinding and don't quit. Life will throw you some curveballs, but keep grinding. Set your goal and keep going. Keep moving forward uh, towards it. It's important as leaders that we are impactful and resourceful and have effective communication. Remember, there is growth in areas of opportunity. So there are really no failures, especially if you learn from them. Keep going. We need to find quality teachers. So help our educational partners uh, find education, find quality teachers. Uh, there's value in education. So we as community leaders, community partners, we need to make sure that we are, are positive and saying those positive things uh, to let people know that education is a viable uh, career path and we need more people. And managing our time effectively. Let go of those things that are not important, not urgent. We all get the same amount of minutes in a day. And how you choose to use those minutes, please choose wisely. You do what you want to do at the end of the day. So if you would like to, if you like what you heard tonight and want to listen to previous shows or want to be a guest on this show, you can subscribe at www.podcast.com coachtwilson.com, and please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. Until then, have a good evening. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 